You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today is part two of our three-part series on kids and food. Yeah, the first one was really interesting. We went over several rules, if you were there for that one. And there'll be one more in this series after this one. So uh, we talked about what women eat during pregnancy and how that affects the taste of the amniotic fluid, how baby-led weaning that practice where babies six months or older jump straight to finger foods as soon as solids are introduced. Um, and then how that's a trend in the UK and is growing in popularity here. And we also began talking about this book that Renee's been reading. I love this book, Karen Lebion, uh, French Kids Eat Everything. And it chronicles her young family's move to northern France, where she discovered food rules that the French use to foster healthy eating habits and good manners in children and um, even babies. And we all want good manners and we all want healthy eating habits for our kids. So we do. And when when we see um, a whole culture where it's working really well, mm -hmm. I want to go see what they're doing. Yeah. And see if there's anything I can learn. And as a young mom, I actually did use a lot of these rules. I didn't read her book. It may not have even been out, but I, I researched it because it was important to me and I found a lot of wisdom in the French way. So that's why we're kind of using that book. Right. Not that we have anything against Italians or Germans or right. Japanese Asians or anything. <laughs> who also eat a wide variety of food and their children eat a wide variety. Um, but we're just choosing this because there's a lot, of, a lot of great tips there. So to recap, the first three food rules were, number one, parents, you are in charge of your children's food education. Number two, avoid emotional eating. Food is not a pacifier, distraction, toy, or bribe. Yeah, and food rule number three, parents schedule meals and menus. Kids eat what adults eat. No substitutes and no short order cooking. Which, you know. Makes I, life a lot easier for moms. It does. It's, and if you're doing that, if you're doing the short order cooking and you don't like it, don't we don't want you to feel guilty and like you're a terrible mom. We just want to give you some freedom and maybe some steps to like a better path yeah. for your family, for your child. So for today, I'm going to start with a story that the author tells in her book about one of their first dinner parties that they went to. At this dinner party, there was a kid's table and an adult's table. That sounds familiar. Mm -hmm, we all have that. We had that growing up all the time. But the difference was that the foods that were served were exactly the same. Okay. So there's the appetizers which is the only thing that's eaten walking around or sitting in the living room or, okay and which is a huge treat right if you're always made to sit at the table it's a little bit of a thrill for uh -huh. kids to be standing around and she was super stressed out because her kids were not good eaters and she was afraid they were going to be upset mm -hmm. she would be embarrassed the host would be offended and her husband was like no 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 you just let them just leave them alone mm -hmm. don't go over there to the kids table and she talks about how like one course was a shredded carrot salad with a vinaigrette, which is <laughs> a lot of taste there, a lot of textures. Yes. And how, wait, how old are the kids? Remind three, ages three and five. Okay. And she's like, you know, nervously looking across the room and her husband's telling her again and again, if you go over there 
and you hover and you try to cajole and convince them to eat this, you're just going to stress them out. They're going to pick up on your anxiety. So don't do it. Mm -hmm. Just let the bigger kids do their thing. Positive peer pressure. Positive peer pressure. So she watched her young daughters kind of eye the older kids, fascinated Mm -hmm. as they just happily forked up that carrot salad with vinaigrette (laughs) and she looked at her little three-year-old who gingerly picked up one little shred of carrot and put it in her mouth and ate it Uh and she was like victory like wow oh my goodness this went on into the evening like it's crazy to me like they ate till like midnight yeah it's hours long hours and hours and the children too and Mm -hmm. the and she kept thinking like shouldn't i put them to bed yeah and the french approach was they're gonna miss out on the fun of eating if you put them to bed so just totally different approach yeah to the joy of food and um that little children's table was just a little um training ground to teach the children how to learn to enjoy food and you would never want to insult your host by not eating what was presented sure and it's a really communal experience to all eat the same thing they're really into that like you know even at restaurants you would share all the same like family style we call oh, it here. okay yes so that's just that's just an interesting approach to food that lays the groundwork for our three rules that we're going to talk about today yeah that so that segues right into rule number four which is food is social you eat family meals together at the table and you don't have distractions yeah so you know bring back the family dinner table bring it back (sighs) and you know the the byproduct of this they say in france is then your kids are usually eating with you so mm-hmm. now you are seeing how much progress they're making. You're able to have a, your hand on the pulse of like, how are they learning their manners? How adventurous are they being? You're just there to mm-hmm. see it happening. Mm-hmm. And that's really effective. It seems straightforward, but it's hard for families, I think. It is because we're busy. But I think for the most part, we did this because I did it growing up. We all ate together all the time. And we did it at our house, too. The exception might have been, you know, if my husband's traveling or if he happens to have a really extra late night, we're going to go ahead and eat, put the kids to bed, and then he and I would eat later on. But for the most part, I think we had the family dinner table. We did too. We we not only had the family dinner table, we had the family breakfast table. Yeah. My mom set the table for breakfast, dressed the table to put it the way the French oh, no. do. We were not quite that formal at breakfast. And we, like, we even had these cool little egg cups when she made soft boiled eggs, you know, that, which yeah. I thought were super fancy and I felt so grown up uh-huh. to get an, a soft boiled egg served in an egg cup. But yeah, she just presented like a warm breakfast every morning for us. And so when we switched to cereal, uh, sometime around when my dad was 40, <laughs> we, we, we were mutinous. Like we felt like we were being abused <laughs> because that was the, at the time. And because you grew up in Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the eighties, it was like, Oh, cereal's healthy for your heart. You know? Mm, and yeah. we switched from all those wonderful pancakes and fried eggs and all the things we were getting before to yuck cereal. But she my mom did create like this it was an event you all sat down together probably yeah most nights even on a saturday night and a sunday Mm -hmm. we sat down together we didn't eat in front of the tv Mm -hmm. and um it's just it was just great i mean it didn't work out so great for my brothers they were they were very hesitant eaters which we'll get to in a little bit but it did it worked really well for me to just create a love of gathering around and eating yeah me too and in our house we did not eat in front of the tv either now that the kids are grown, 
and out of the house, we've way lapsed into doing that because it's just the two of us. And yeah, let's just sit and watch the show while we eat. It's not the best, but... I know, I'm feeling a little it's real. slovenly over here thinking <laughs> about it. Too. We don't have the egg cups anymore. It's like, <laughs> honey, what happened to the egg cups? Well, okay, that's pretty straightforward. Food is social. Eat together as much as you can. Food rule number five is eat vegetables of all colors of the rainbow and never eat the same main dish more than once a week. So in her attempt to kind of change the way she was approaching food with her children, she did something that lots of us do. If you were raised in an authoritarian household, what do you tend to do, Bonnie? You clean your plate and you eat what's there and you, yeah, yeah you don't speak until you're spoken to. Yes. And, <laughs> and then when you become an adult, you a lot of times are going, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And you swing way the other uh-huh. way to permissive parenting. Well, she was doing the same thing with food. So she went from being way too permissive with her daughters and snacking all the time right. in the car and they weren't eating a variety of foods at all. What do you like? Oh, you don't like this? I'll give you something else. So she she instituted like this new food rules that the, like on Sunday she sat them down and said, this is what we're going to do. And it's these rules we were just talking about. Rules mm-hmm. one through four. And it went terribly. Well, of course. The girls were angry. Sure. Then one got so upset that she couldn't even eat her snack when when they finally got home and could be seated properly to have the snack. And it was just terrible. And her, her husband was like, oh, honey, like, that's not the French way. If you're trying to do the French way, that's not the French way. And the madame at her daughter's um, preschool daycare said that rules about food are not about suppressing individual preferences, but about fostering individual taste. Just as kids need a well-rounded education, they also need a well-rounded palate. And you don't achieve that by forcing them to eat large servings of foods that they currently dislike. Currently dislike. That's currently dislike. Mm-hmm. So her anxiety, her rigidity was creating an environment that was totally inhospitable to exploration, curiosity, joy of food. So it's just like anything else. Each child is different. Yes. Everyone, just like each of us as adults are different. We have our own preferences for what we like to wear. Um, Maybe we're morning people or nighttime people. We also like different things. Our taste buds are different. That's fine. Yeah, but but it's, you know, we had a child who was introverted and a child who was extroverted. Mm Mm-hmm. That did not mean that the introverted child didn't have to learn the rules of conversation with adults Mm -hmm. or with their peers even. Mm -hmm. So it it meant that we gave that child longer to learn that skill and we expected it to be harder for that child. This is the same thing with food. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have a child who has lots of dislikes, you don't just leave them there with just disliking the food, you just go, oh, okay, we're going to take the long view. This is going to take a little bit longer with you. Yeah, we're going to take the long view on this, and we're going to not make it um, World War III every time we sit down to eat. Because you're not going to like it, they're not going to like it. You've totally destroyed the whole thing you're aiming for. Yeah, then it's backfiring for this whole process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in that vein of thought, there's an interesting um, research experiment. She mentions in her book, two American researchers designed this experiment to measure how flexible and how adaptable young children are right in their food tastes this was so interesting to me so they had three groups of children ages like three to five and um they separated them out and they were going to test them with the same food and positive or negative messages about that food 
Correct. Well, first of all, group A, group B, and group C were all offered vegetables for snack time in their daycare. Mm -hmm. And then the next day during story time, they were read a book about a young boy who goes to a farm and discovers vegetables like at his grandfather's farm. So group A heard um, negative messages about the food. So the food, the weird food that was introduced on day one was kohlrabi. Okay. And some kids ate it, some kids didn't, whatever. But in the story about vegetables, there were three messages about kohlrabi. There was the refrain, at least I didn't have to eat kohlrabi. Yeah, that was the first group heard that. The first group heard that on every page of the book. It ended with the refrain, at least I didn't have to eat kohlrabi. Group B heard the same story, but the opposite refrain. That was almost as good as kohlrabi. (laughs) And then group C had a book with no references to food at all. They were the control. Okay. Well, after the story, the children were interviewed. And two-thirds of the children in the positive food message group could identify kohlrabi. And then they were invited to taste the kohlrabi again Mm -hmm. after they'd already been presented with it the day before. The only children who refused to eat the kohlrabi, Bonnie, surprise the ones who heard at least i didn't have to taste the kohlrabi yes yeah. it was literally that huge of a difference so just the messaging around how we're talking about food what our attitudes are about food yes um, and vegetables or something that we think is going to be yucky innately yes so again matters. back to our episode one what's your attitude towards food mm-hmm. what are you saying aloud to your children i don't like that Ooh, that's gross we just we did not allow that kind of talk and what is your face saying yeah your body language yes. says a lot too if you're wincing as you're trying to put it in their mouth they're probably going to get a bad yeah, that's right <laughs> a bad impression that's right so the scientific word for fear of new foods is called neophobia now i had not heard of this had you Neither heard of had this? I. no uh-uh. and it usually appears at the age of two but scientists disagree on why it arises so there's several reasons Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too, that it could be a protective behavior. So young children who are afraid of eating new things are probably less likely to poison themselves. So survival. Unlike unlike me, I was a very adventurous eater, and I chugged down my mom's Chanel number 5 perfume. My goodness. She was very sad to lose that expensive bottle of perfume and very concerned about me. I would be concerned, too. Yeah, poison control and all the whole nine yards. Yeah. So, and also it could have like an evolutionary basis. So in nature, the foods that are sweet, fat, or salty tend to have the highest nutritional value. So they're the least likely to be poisonous and probably pack on some good calories and make us survive. Right, when food was more scarce. Uh And it could be primarily psychological, appearing as kids enter a developmental stage of opposition to their parents, which is at age two. Two, Two and three. Two and three, we know this, right? Some experts believe that it's um, in tandem with how your taste buds are developing which lead children to reject bitter tastes that are often found in vegetables cauliflower broccoli Mm. the sulfur flavor in there it's not as appealing no as salt and fat and acid and at least not at first when your taste buds have never encountered that before so did you ever have a doctor talk to you about this with your toddlers no i didn't really have my toddlers refusing foods like that i my son did have an aversion to broccoli for a little while, but it was just short-lived. And my daughter self-selected dairy, like 
from age one, that was it. It was like dairy strike. She wouldn't eat cheese, yogurt, milk, nothing. And it turns out down the road, she's lactose intolerant. So ah, it was kind of a self-selecting. She was listening to her body. Yeah. It made her tummy hurt probably. Yes. We she... had to be kind of creative about introducing other forms of dairy. But um, yeah, they weren't afraid of things. Which the French pediatricians say, you know, if there is diarrhea, vomiting with foods, obviously you mark that down, take a note mm-hmm. and see if that's correlated, you know, if you introduce it again, oh, yep, that happened again. Okay, we may need to eliminate something sensitive. Yeah, right. that food. But French pediatricians, they regularly warn parents about neophobia. They're like, it's coming. You can expect your child's appetite to diminish at age two-ish to three-ish, um, even age four. And they said, partly it's physical. Your child's growth rate's slowing down. Right. They're not as hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's also psychological. The no phase, the asserting your independence. They're having some control over issues like potty training and eating. Mm -hmm. So they say capitalize on those first two years of life to lay a foundation of introducing a variety of foods because only one in four will not have neophobia. 75%. Yeah, will have 75%. So your child's not just like picky and this is the end. No, most children are picky and Uh French people are like, okay, we can deal with that. We're going to create a plan Mm -hmm. that uh, anticipates it and then works through it during those years and then moves beyond it. So I think in America, or a lot of the moms that I know, a lot of the friends that I grew up with, our kids wouldn't eat something and we'd freak out about it. It was the the opposite approach. (laughs) Oh, no, like they're not going to make it to the end of the day or the end of this week if they they just refuse to eat vegetables or they refuse to eat meat or they're only going to eat this one food so I guess that that's the only thing I have to make for them because my first goal is to make them happy and full and that's not what the French think at all no the French really believe um as my southern friend said the other day hunger is the best sauce (laughs) I was like that is so true what a great statement they they just they believe that it's cultural that we can really influence the attitude of our children towards food. And I, I just love that. Just yeah. like we believe we can influence their attitude toward learning, mm-hmm. their attitude towards the care of others, yeah. the preciousness of others. We can teach them how to learn to discover new foods. I love it. And they also, one more thing in this, in this food rule, from a French parenting book, this is a direct quote. Um, It says, opposition to food can't persist if there is no opponent. Mm. In the face of a child's refusal to eat, the best parental response is serene indifference. Parents, (laughs) I love that. We need to have serene indifference indifference about a lot of areas. (laughs) So many things. So parents should remind themselves that this will pass. Your child will not continue refusing to eat if you simply refuse to react. So they, you put all these things on their plate. Mm -hmm. They're going to, your rule is to cut, just try one bite. Just try it. And if they don't like it, okay, that's fine. That's fine. You're not freaking out. Right, right. So they believe that kids are inherently curious. Duh. Kids are inherently curious. They're sponges. So, and they also believe that most foods are an acquired taste. They believe most foods are an acquired taste. So naturally, educating your toddler to enjoy a variety of foods is going to take some intentionality. They don't, they don't even expect their toddlers and their infants to like a variety of foods. Hmm. So it, it is an, an adjustment of expectation. Mm-hmm. And so I think our expectation as American parents, you can correct me if, I'm, if you think I'm wrong, Bonnie, but I think we, we just think, oh, we have a, 
adventurous eater or we have a picky eater. And Mm -hmm. that's just it, the end. Right. I think that's true. And it doesn't really matter because everyone is unique and they need to just eat how they want to eat. And whether or not that influences how they act in gatherings or community or anything else. And I think if we're doing our best to love other people and to live in community, you're going to accommodate others. You're going to eat what they serve you. Yes. You're going to maybe serve them something that you know they like that you don't. And you're going to all eat it together because you love one another. Yes. I, I, I just think that's such a beautiful approach to food that's really it's just really incorporating the preciousness of others it, yeah it is this reminds me i'm looking at our, our wall upstairs in our um bonus room as we record this and it's got pictures of um our trip to israel and it reminds me of similar cultures where israeli breakfast is not like american breakfast no. you're gonna have olives you're gonna have cheese you're gonna have really sweet and sour tastes all together and on that trip you know we learned to eat it because we were with our our fellow travelers uh, when we went to Africa we would go out into the villages and th- literal mud huts and they don't have very much to offer you but they they want to offer that to you as a hospitality gesture so you sit around there um, well first of all you're going to pick all the stones out of the bag of rice with the women then it's going to be cooked you may or may not have chicken it's probably going to be lemongrass and rice and everyone's going to reach in and eat it with their hands and you're going to be grateful and thankful at sharing this meal together because it was what you had. Oh, I love I, and that. And it was beautiful. Have I ever had lemongrass before? No. Would I pick it? Probably to serve to myself? Probably not. But it was actually pretty it good. Sounds really good to me. Yeah. I love lemongrass. So just adjusting your expectations. Your child's likely going to be picky. There's a one in four chance they're not. Yeah. And then also considering it a skill. Yeah. It's just a skill we're training to. And it's a skill that will bless them because they're going to eat every day of their lives, likely. <laughs> and it's a skill that will bless others. Yes. And their, uh, others' presence. Yes. All right. Food rule number six has an A and a B part. So f- for 6A, the rule is for picky eaters, you don't have to like it, but you do have to taste it. Now, you just said that in yeah. our previous thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not as simple as that. I know a bunch of moms are sitting out there going, okay, I've had my child straight up refuse to put that food in their mouth. <laughs> so, so what, what do, you do you do? That's a power struggle. <laughs> That becomes a power struggle. Mm-hmm. If you're like, yes, you have to take a bite. No, I'm not going to take a bite. And you've, you've got this back and forth. And again, now your dinner table is no fun. Uh-huh. Now there's tension. There's stress. Everybody's upset. So what do the French do? They just take it away yeah. without comment. They just say, okay, you can try again later. Mm-hmm. If you do eat it, oh, great. Try this. You might get offered something else that's a different kind of a flavor. The French, they don't fuss. They don't hover. No one's getting all super upset. The mm-hmm. parents are just really matter of fact. Remember, you, there's no opposition if there's no opponent. So if the parents offer the food and the child won't eat it, they just take it away. There's no snacks. There's no eating till the next time food is offered, which food, food rule number one, you're determining. Yes, when the, when the when, food is where they're eating, Or rule two, whenever that rule was. So say so you have macaroni and cheese and broccoli at the table. They don't want to try the broccoli. Are you going to give them more macaroni and cheese too? If they'd refuse that to take that one little bite of broccoli? No, I wouldn't let them fill up on mac and cheese. I don't think the French would either. You would have your you would have your serving of it and you could certainly enjoy it and actually celebrate that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they talk through like, what are you tasting? What does it feel like in your mouth? And if they don't eat the broccoli, then, you know, th- there's some awesome replies. Like, I think I have them down here <laughs> a little bit later. 
Um, yeah, when your kid refuses a food, I'll just jump ahead because it's a okay. good time to mention it. This is some things that she heard people tell her children. Okay, great. You don't like it? Well, that's because you haven't tasted it enough times. Maybe next time. Great. Uh huh. Okay, so now you've set the rule. It's coming at you again in the <laughs> <Get> future. <laughs> you need to taste things many times. Mm-hmm. Like our first episode said seven to ten. I've right. heard as many as 30 mm-hmm. times introducing a food. Um, they also say, you don't like it? That's okay. You'll like it when you're more grown up. Ooh, pressure. <laughs> Everybody wants to be the big boy and big yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. And, they, and that's actually true. That's not manipulation because they know that your tastes change as you grow. Right. It's developmental. So it's actually developmental. And then the... Um, the third one is when they're hungry, which this will happen. It mm-hmm. happened to me when they don't eat their lunch and then they're hungry. Mm-hmm. You say, you're hungry? That's fine. You will really appreciate dinner. We're having something really wonderful. And you say what you're having. No snacking. Anticipation for that. Uh-huh. Build up and, you the anticipation. Up, you, and you just set them up for anticipating, oh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. So are you going to have to deal with some whining in there? Oh, yeah. Between? Oh, yeah. So Houston was my hesitant eater. He was the neophobic okay. one. But I did I did just do this. And he would, like, he wasn't so neophobic he wouldn't take a bite. He almost always took a bite. But he would be hungry. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, oh, I'm sorry. It was usually lunch. And we had to, it's, it's hard on moms. It is hard on moms. But it's temporary and you distract. Yeah. Like, go do something really fun. Yes. To get them out of the, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Distract, distract, distract. And then when dinner comes, I then never they're ready had, to eat. I never had two meals in a row. Yeah, me neither. That he refused. Me neither. Now, but he was mildly neophobic. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some children with their personality, the very strong-willed personality combined with some <laughs> hesitation. Right. Will maybe wait you out more than that. I mean, the author's children did. Lebion's girls, like they, they, I mean, she, what, one daughter didn't eat her lunch at school for weeks. She like she held out five six weeks, <laughs> not eating school lunches. Ooh, that girl's gonna be a force of nature. But <laughs> she finally did. She finally because they were also practicing these things outside of school. She mm-hmm. eventually was able to um, get past that. Yeah, that phobia and that strong will. And then your friends too. That positive peer pressure. If you're in a culture like that of everyone yeah, just eating, everyone else is just eating it. And mm-hmm. there she was watching her at the dinner party. Remember watching the big kids? Oh, they're yeah. eating it. They're all doing. Yeah. Oh so my goodness. She she did say um back to like the infant stage mm-hmm. how French parents even do this differently. So um baby Clement, he was 8 months old and his schedule was um wake up at 8 and have some milk. He would take a 2 to 3 hour nap and then at 12:30 he would have a vegetable soup, fruit puree or yogurt and then he'd have another nap, an afternoon nap. And then at 4.30, he would have his milk. That was his snack. Okay. And then he'd have a little short nap. And then at 7 p.m., he would have milk with dissolved baby cereal, and he was down for the night. Wow. And she was in misery because her schedule looked more like 1 a.m. feeding, 4 a.m. feeding, 7 a.m. feeding, 8, 30 a.m. feeding. <laughs> Does with sound familiar cereal. to anyone? 11.30 a.m. feeding, 12.30 p.m. vegetables, 2.30 p.m. breastfeeding, 5 p.m. breastfeeding, 6 p.m. fruit, compote, or yogurt, 9 p.m. breastfeeding, and then wow. up again all night long. So we know that it's more complex than yeah. just offering your kid some puree, fruit, fruit and vegetable purees and voila they'll magically take naps but she we're just saying 
she was she was wanting something different. Yeah. And she was like, tell me how to get <laughs> what you have. Yes. Because that that's like an all day long thing. You know, if you're nursing, it's it can be constant. You feel like a cow. I mean, and that's know. an eight month old. We're not talking about a two month old. Right. I mean, that that's a child who should they're in stage what two of the French food introduction. Right. Who should have had solid foods by now. Yes. Should have been introducing sleeping through the night. Yes. Whew. It's just, it, again, it's just a very different approach to feeding yeah. even their infants. All right. And then part B to the food rule number six, Bonnie. Is for fussy eaters, you don't have to like it, but you do have to eat it. Okay. Uh, again. like Same thing. Same yeah. thing. Part two. So you've got to take a bite. If you don't take a bite, oh, well, you'll like it when you're older. We'll try mm-hmm. again later. Mm-hmm. You'll like dinner. Right. You'll like breakfast when it comes <laughs> around. It's going to be so good. Right. So in I, this country, I think we prize so much individual choice. Kids just don't have to eat what they don't like. But we also worry desperately that they're not eating well, which sets up this vicious cycle. We feel anxious about food and sensing this, our children eat less well. I think that is so true. It is true. Your kids will pick up on your tension. Yes. If you make this a power struggle at the dinner table, if you're constantly concerned about your child's nutrition, they're going to pick up on your your energy and they may not understand exactly why yeah. they just know oh food is tense food, food is a time when the energy is bad in the room that's right um or i'm gonna have to like fight to not eat something i don't want to eat mm-hmm. um and that i mean there are plenty of personalities that will go toe to toe with you on this <laughs> that's right and we so just don't want to do that you make the dinner table i mean it is about food because you're eating but you also make it a time of fun you make it a Absolutely. conversational time and you talk about, you know, how your day went and what, what your plans are for the next day and what something funny that happened. It's here we are surrounding ourselves with food. Hey, we all happen to like it. You can comment on it from time to time, but it is not, like you said, the tense central idea. Yes. I mean, and it's so fascinating to me. She wrote in the book that French parents do not concern themselves excessively with nutritional information of food. Hmm. They have a different uh, lens that they're viewing um, successful eating through. They're more concerned about introducing a variety of taste, texture, and color to children. So they steer away from processed or pre-made foods a lot. They rarely, rarely use them. And they give them a variety of things from the home instead. And they're knowing that this is going to become their comfort food. Mm-hmm. What you're introducing in childhood is going to be naturally become the comfort food. Right. Have you seen the movie Ratatouille? I know. <laughs> that was the comfort food. Yeah. And the food critic's childhood. That's why it was so successful. So, um, yeah, there's some stats on the vegetable consumption, the fruit and vegetable consumption of French children and Americans. Let's see here from her book. The French recommendation is that kids eat five portions, about two and a half cups of fruits and vegetables per day. That's That's a lot. lot. That's a lot. Just under half of French children achieve this. About 42% will eat two and a half cups of fruits and vegetables per day. And again, remember what you're aiming for. Mm -hmm. Even if you fall short of it, it's better than if you weren't aiming at all. We say this all the time. That's right. in In our podcast. In contrast... 10% 10% of American children and teens and 20% of toddlers are estimated to consume the American government's recommended daily two and a half cups per day of fruits and vegetables. The most popular fruit in North America, get ready to be appalled, juice. 
Oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about half. You mean of the sugar yeah. with a little bit of fruit in it? Half of the fruit intake in toddlers was juice. It's juice. So there were actually worse. Interesting. The numbers are worse than they than they sound. Hmm. The most common type of vegetable consumed by American kids, you can probably guess. Every fast food restaurant has macaroni them. and cheese is probably considered a vegetable <laughs> in a lot of places. French fries. Oh, yeah, potatoes. Up to, up to half of all the vegetables consumed by American children potatoes are French fries. So, again, if 10% of American kids are getting their fruits and vegetables, two and a half cups, and it's fruit juice and French fries, mm. I don't consider that a win. Yeah. No, me neither. Um, and if you're having trouble at first introducing vegetables and fruits and things to your children, especially little ones still in the high chair, try them frozen. Mmm. Break out some frozen peas and carrots. Like, don't warm them up. Just eat them frozen. Then it tastes like a icy kind of treat. Maybe you're masking the taste too much. I don't know. What do you think about yeah, that, I Renee? Think, yeah, anything that's really cold, you are going to blunt the flavor of. And it's interesting you said peas and carrots because her her mother-in-law, Lebion's mother-in-law, was like, peas? You're introducing peas to a to an infant? That's a really strong flavor. You save that for later. I was like, what? Peas and carrots are like what we first That's a staple. <laughs> introduced our kids to. So they have lists, recommended lists, mm-hmm. um, like at age four to five months, here's the recommended foods okay. that you're going to win with six to nine months, then um, nine to 12, 12 to 18, 18 to 36. And then they know, oh, you're hitting the neophobic stage, but you've hit all these other months of eating with intentional diversity. That's been and introduced. so I was curious. I didn't look it up, but I'm curious to know what they consider like mild vegetables mm-hmm. at four and five months old and then a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger. But yeah, I've heard that introducing it frozen. I just, I didn't because I wanted them to taste what it actually tasted like. Right. Even if they only took a bite of it, like kiwi, Emma was kind of refusing it. And I was like, let me taste it. Mm-hmm. See, I'd mashed it up. Let me, it was actually a really sour kiwi. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, that's really kind of hard to swallow down, isn't it? Let's, yes. t- let's move that aside and try something else. There was, I think, like berries, some berries and things. It changes a texture, but not necessarily a taste. So, um, I don't know, you might have more success. Yeah, it's just and something again, to try. if you are not, um, if you're neophobic, mm-hmm. or phobic, I guess you're not neophobic <laughs> if you're an adult. If you, if you have um, some bad attitudes towards food, well, parenting is a great time. To kind of change your attitudes. And let's discover this together. Let's discover it together. It, that's a beautiful way to approach it. Yeah. Let's try this berry together. Put it, You put a blueberry in your mouth. I'm going to put one in my mouth. What does it feel like? You're so brave. I'm going to try that too. What is it? Roll it around on your tongue. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're tasting. Breathe in. You taste something stronger when uh-huh. you breathe deeply. That's funny. You say that we were, even when my kids were infants, in their little bouncy chairs, I would put them on the counter while I was making dinner. And just by way of making conversation, you know, and keeping them interested, I would um, talk about, here's what we're making. And now we're going to add some cinnamon and I would let them smell the cinnamon. Yeah. And now we're going to add some curry and I would let them smell the curry. And it just lights up different areas of their brain smell. And then when that comes along later in a taste form like that, like you said, when you breathe in, you're remembering the smell and you can, that's a fun activity at the dinner table too we do that now when we go out to someplace nice what am i tasting in here what is this what is that got a hint of oh it's cinnamon try to guess the ingredients i love that Mm -hmm. i love that so again this is 
please don't just think that we're beating you up, American moms, because probably a lot of us are not doing this with our children. What we're wanting to do is introduce you to an alternative way of thinking about food so you can have success. And it seems much less stressful. Oh, so much less stressful. This approach is very low stress. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it right, there's no power struggles. Yeah, it's just, okay, fine. We'll hear something we're else gonna, the next night. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're just going to keep, keep trying. We're going to keep discovering. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they, they noticed that you know, if you take a, a toddler into a room full of toys, they'll gravitate towards the new toy. Mm. They, they think the same thing with food. You're training your child to be like, oh, I haven't seen that before. Yeah. What's that? Interesting. Um, instead of, ooh, scary, fearful. What's that? Mm. Isn't, that a, isn't that a quality you'd want your child to in a lot of areas of life. areas of life. Yeah, for sure. So I appreciate so much French culture in this way. That's so interesting. So this was part two. We're wrapping it up. She's got four more food rules for us. I'm super curious. My daughter's getting this book when I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely giving it to her for Dottie Lou and all her future kids, it, which she's kind of already doing this mm -hmm. just because I think that's what we did. She's um, yeah, having a really right. positive, broad approach to what she's introducing her to. She's mm -hmm. doing the baby led weaning kind of stuff. Okay. And um, she just phoned me this morning before we were getting ready to record this podcast. She's like, she ate her whole serving of sweet potatoes. <laughs> that was so exciting where, you know, like last month she was pushing them out of her mouth. Oh, see? And, Don't take and there were tears because it was homemade. Mm -hmm. And all the, all the whole, the whole nap time she had lovingly prepared the sweet potatoes. <laughs> and I said, don't take it personally. That is such a great point. Don't take it personally. Because we do take it personally as moms too. And I think that's what creates a lot of the tension at the table that we were just talking about. Like I slaved and made this nice meal for you all. And you're going to tell me you don't like it. Yeah. You will eat this. And then it becomes this personal thing when it's not about you at all. No, it's about no. their development and how you want them to achieve success in the area. Right. Right. And so fast forward four, four weeks, six weeks later, She's happily eating it. Yeah. So it just, it was just, um, it's a trial and error. Plus they're, you know, they're swallowing and sometimes they push it out of their mouth. Yeah. They're learning to swallow. Reflex and all mm -hmm. that stuff still mm -hmm. there. In those mm -hmm. early months. So lots of facets to this and so much joy down the road. So I hope that, um, you can pick up on a, a tidbit or two and go home and try it. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you if you do try it uh, yeah, and you have like some successes or if you if you have questions to reach out to us. So this information, it will have it on our website at justaskyourmom.com. And we are on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom and Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. So you can follow us those places. Mm -hmm. And we'd love for you to rate and leave a review if you're listening. And better yet, subscribe so you'll get each new Monday episode. Do you have topic suggestions? You can email us at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just, Just Ask, Ask Your, Your Mom. Mom.